is a kind of lesson that I used to do. I had a series at one point when I was at Curly that was entitled The Life and Times of. And a few years ago, some of you may remember that on TV they had a, a show that would play and it was called The Life and Times of So-and-So. I remember The Life and Times of Richard Petty. And I think they had several other people but they would do a Life and Times of these people, a documentary on their lives. And so for the next three weeks we're going to do a Life and Times series on Sunday nights of the kings of Israel. Before the kingdom divided there were three kings that reigned in the king, kingdom of Israel. And so tonight we're going to visit the first of those kings, King Saul. Now as we look at the events that led up to Saul becoming king, we understand that Israel did not have a king. They had judges that led them. And Samuel came and he was able to, to give them the word of God, but he judged Israel and and that's how they were led, basically, by judges. And Israel, looking around at the nations that were around them, noticed that all the other nations had a king. And they decided that they also needed a king. I use the word needed lightly. But let's look at Israel's need for a king as we begin our lesson on Saul. If you will turn to 1 Samuel, and we'll follow the, the verses of 1 Samuel. We'll look at a few of the chapters here and look at some of the things that we can learn from Saul. But 1 Samuel chapter 8 is where we'll begin. 1 Samuel 8 verse 1. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel. The name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nation. But the thing, <clears throat> excuse me, displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. The people had basically rejected God and that's what he said. When Samuel became angry with the people over this suggestion that they needed a king 
He did the right thing. He turned to God. He spoke to Him. And we can learn a lot from Samuel in that whenever we have a problem, whenever we are angered with someone, take it to God, just as He did. The Lord spoke to him and He said, They've rejected me. Not you. I'll take it personally. And he told them to allow them this king that they desired. But he was also to warn them ahead of time of the behavior of that king. Because of Israel's desire for a king, Saul was chosen from among them. We read a little bit about Saul in chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. 1 Samuel 9, verse 1. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherat, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There is not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. So some of the things that we find out about Saul was that he was handsome. We find out that he was more handsome than some of the others. There is not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. And from his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. So he stood out physically. And certainly that's kind of what the people were looking for. Saul, searching for his father's donkeys, sought the one they called the seer, Samuel. And in verse 15 of chapter 9 of 1 Samuel, we read this. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistine. I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is. The man of whom I spoke to you, this one shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today. And tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you? on all your father's house. And so Saul becomes king a little bit later on. This lesson 
is going to survey the good and the bad of Saul's reign over Israel. We'll look at some of the lessons that we can learn from the life of Saul. So let's begin with the good times. 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 27 and reading into chapter 10 we see that Saul is anointed king. 1 Samuel 9 verse 27 As they were going down to the outskirts of the city Samuel said to Saul Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on. But you stand here a while that that I may announce to you the word of God. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, What shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor. There three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. After that you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city, that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place, with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them. And they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and be turned into another man, and let it be, when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. And you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. We see that Saul is anointed as king. And there were other official positions that we see people were anointed for before taking on those roles. We think of the prophets, priests. Initially all the priests were anointed and then following that the high priests, those that would be considered the high priests were anointed. And now we see that kings, those who are to be king over God's people, are also anointed. And so, beginning Saul's reign over Israel, we see that he is anointed as king. We also see that Samuel follows through with what God told him. 
He was to warn the people about the king that they wanted. And in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 13 through 15, it says this, Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve Him and obey His voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it, <laughs> excuse me, as it was against your fathers. God wanted the trust of Israel. He wanted them to trust Him and His leadership, the people that He chose to judge them. But seeing as they desired a king, He allowed them their king. Even so, He forewarned them through Samuel that they were to remain faithful to Him. Even with their king, their king was to look to God, they were to look to God, and that's how they were to be under the rule of their king. And as long as they feared Him, as long as they served and obeyed Him, He would continue to lead them. His hand would, would still be with them. But if they turned away, his hand would be against them. And unfortunately, this is the last that we really read of the good times of King Saul. So now we turn our attention to the bad times. We see that Saul in his reign made mistakes. He made some very grave mistakes and he turned not only himself, but the people against God. We see that he allowed them to influence him in some ways as well. Let's look at some of the mistakes that he made. First of all, we read of Saul's unlawful sacrifice in 1 Samuel chapter 13, beginning with verse 5. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of beth -Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. 
Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. In verse 11, And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which He commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for Himself a man after His own heart. That sound familiar? And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Whenever we talk to people of other denominations, do you ever hear them say, well, I feel this, or I felt like I needed to do this or that in God's service? That's exactly what Saul did. He felt like he needed to offer this burnt offering. It needed to be done and so he took it upon himself to do it. But was that the Lord's command? Certainly not. And now because of his mistake, because of his offering of this unlawful sacrifice, his kingdom will not last. Matter of fact, his kingdom will not stay within his family, but will be given to another. And this wasn't the last mistake that Saul made. In the case of Amalek coming against Israel, we see that Saul was given specific command another of which he disobeyed. 1 Samuel chapter 15 begin reading at verse 1. 1 Samuel 15 verse 1. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. And do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Here a lot of people would be tempted to say, well that sounds very cruel to destroy all the people, even the innocent children. God had His reasons. If they were to allow any of these Amalekites to be with them, they would have an influence over His people for the negative. Maybe that was the reason that He commanded this, but whatever the reason, God commanded them to kill all 
to destroy all, not to save any alive. Picking up with verse 7, And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people at the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. God didn't want them to keep any of the spoils, but that's exactly what they did. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. So they partially followed God's command. Now we see the judgment against them in verses 12 through 23, 1 Samuel 15. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel say, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Samuel went to Saul. And Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And just hear his voice saying that. But Samuel said in verse 14, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. And Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, verse 17, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. It, it sounds to me that Saul thought that he was following the command and the people. He's blaming it on the people for turning against him. Saul is just as guilty. So Samuel said, verse 22, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of ram. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, 
and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected you from being king. Saul thought it the most important thing to offer these sacrifices before the Lord. But in his thought process and in his thinking, he forgot how important obedience was. And he had disobeyed. And because he had disobeyed, he was to be rejected from being king. We read this in verses 34 and 35 of 1 Samuel 15. And Samuel went to Ramah. And Saul went up to his house at Gebeah of Saul. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. One of the worst things that we read about Saul and his reign was that he was left without guidance from God. So he looked to Samuel. Samuel would tell him the words of the Lord. He was to follow them. No more. No more would these words be given to him. He was without the favor of God until he died. We see some of the things that he goes through as king, and he goes through a, a bout of jealousy and tries to chase down David and kill him. We see how he dies. He falls upon his own sword, wounded in battle. His end was not a, a good one. And his family, for the most part, was, was gone as well. They did not take up the kingship. They, they did not pick up where he left off. Why? Because he disobeyed God. I think the greatest lesson that we can learn from Saul is, of course, a lesson of what not to do. But I think we can learn here the importance of obedience. See, Saul, we see over and over again, he, he took it upon himself to, to do things that he thought God would be pleased with, but that wasn't what God was pleased with. But how often do we do the same? So many people in their ways of worship take it upon themselves to decide what God would be pleased with. They offer what they think God would be happy with, but it's not in accordance with what God has said. See, we have it very plainly, very clearly in His Word what we need to do how we are to obey it's important for us to obey 
in our manner of life and the things that we do in our lives, the decisions that we make, we need to obey God. Saul forgot. And he faced dire consequences. Consequences that he did not want to face. And he was left without God. And that's the same way that we will be. If we make the decision to disobey, then we are also left outside of God's will and favor. And if we die in that way, if we die in disobedience, then we will face an eternity without God as well. I hope that we're obedient to the Lord's will. I, I hope that you've been obedient to His, to His will and the plan of salvation. I hope that you've been baptized for the remission of your sins. Also repenting and confessing. I hope that you're living a faithful life. Seeing the importance of obedience. Just as God has said. I hope that you are in His favor. But if you're outside of Christ tonight. Because you never obeyed Him. Or because you've not remained faithful. As we always do. We give you the opportunity if you need to come to Him or come back to Him, if there's anything that we can do to assist you, we give you that opportunity. As together we stand and as we sing.